as we start talking about this new season that we're entering in, you see it behind us and you've seen it out in the lobby, different things are kind of popping up all over the place that we're ready for a global focus. And today is just gonna be, if I could just kind of go ahead and lay this out for you. Today is going to be one part sermon and one part infomercial. Is that fair? I'm, y'all are slow this morning. I, goodness gracious. Come on, let's get, let's get a laugh track going. Everybody, ha, ha, ha. There you go. It, it feels better, doesn't it? It feels like one of those sitcoms. Come on now, let's wake up. Let's get ready. It's going to be a little bit of an infomercial. We're going to get it going because we've got to talk about global focus. And I want to start by asking you a question. How many of you, and I want you to raise your hand really high and hold it up for just a second because I'm going to prove to you why we need to do this every year. How many of you were here when we started Global Focus and you remember meeting Larry Reeser and Doug Ripley? Raise your hand up really high. If you met Larry and Doug. All right, look around the room. That's a lot of people that don't know anything about Larry and Doug, right? So this is important for us. When we talk about missions at Judson Baptist Church, we talk about it from the aspect of us being a global focus church. Now, that's not new to us. We didn't come up with it. That's a a strategy and a methodology that we learned and adopted from a man named Larry Reeser who brought it to us, and we just kept the name. So when we say global focus, that's what we mean missions-wise. And Doug Ripley was from Decatur, Alabama. Doug was our sponsoring church. They came along, walked beside us, coached us through it, and really began to let us see what might happen if Judson Baptist adopted a global focus missions mindset. Here's what did happen. The year before we adopted global focus, this church gave about $47,000 to missions. And we took, I think, one trip that year, which is great. I mean, it's awesome that we were able to take up $47,000 to take a trip. But the next year when we adopted Global Focus, we took up a quarter of a million dollars and we sent people all over the world and all over the United States. So it really mobilized us to be able to do that. When we say that we're a Global Focus church, we use that term to talk about the strategy that we're using. And then you'll hear us talk in these weeks about the Global Impact Celebration or the GI. See, that happens September 17th through the 19th this year, happens every year, and we'll talk more about that. But those are the two terms that you need to know as we enter this season. And I want to tell you what it means that we are a global-focused church. If you're a note-taker, here you go. Uh, First, it means that we believe the Great Commission is our highest calling as a church. Do you believe that? Again, we're tepid this morning. Do we really believe that the Great Commission is our highest calling as a church? We believe that. And I want to read it for you. What is the Great Commission? Let's read this. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm sorry, guys. I got ahead of you. My bad. My bad. Sorry. Go back. Go back again. Go to the Matthew. We're going to come back to that. I'm sorry. It's bad when you hand your guys a note sheet that has all the verses in order and then you get out of that forum. You know, I'm, I apologize. Is that David up there? I'm sorry. Reggie. Sorry. Jesus came near to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We believe that's our highest calling as a church. And so we've set our theme this year 
to kind of really be around that, that we're going out for the sake of his name. Now, we've modified that a little bit, and we're going to preach this passage of Scripture in the coming days from 3 John. And, and maybe I skipped over 3 John because I always feel a little bit weird when you talk about 3 John. Is it proper to say 3 John verses 7 and 8 or 3 John chapter 1 verse 7 and 8? That's a trick question because there's only one chapter. Did you know that? But it causes my heart to have palpitations when I have to say it out loud. I don't really know what to say about it. 3 John 7 and 8. Let's read that together. I want you to see that. Since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the pagans, it says, therefore, we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers of the truth. So that's why we do missions. That's why we're in partnership. And the calling for us is the Great Commission. We want people to know Jesus, to be baptized, and then to be taught to be discipled, and if you haven't joined a grow group, by the way, this is our plug for grow groups, on Wednesday nights, you need to be part of a grow group. Come to mine, join the men's grow group, come to the ladies' grow groups that are meeting through the week. The student grow groups will be kicking off. We want you to be discipled so you can be a disciple maker of other people. We have a lot to teach them, don't they? It's a lot in here, and that's our goal. That is our calling. Well, we adopt, secondly, an Acts 1-8 strategy to reach the world. So we know what our calling is, but then we adopt this strategy from Acts 1-8. We'll get to that in just a second. But as we do that, uh, we integrate missions in everything. It's actually not a separate ministry. Now, this is, this is important. We don't have a missions pastor. Did you know that we don't have a missions pastor? We have you. Global Focus is run through the members of the church. Uh, from the, from the, the smallest things that we do to the greatest things that we do. In fact, my favorite meeting that I get to have every other month and when we get closer to Global Focus, it becomes every month, is when I meet with our Global Focus executive team. That's made up of four lay people from the church who oversee the four areas of missions that we have. So Justin Bennett is down here on the front row and he oversees our local group. Daniel Boone oversees our regional group. Joe Roberts uh, oversees our national group. Beth Moore's over here and she oversees our ends of the earth group. And, th and this becomes really important that you understand our lay people drive this. They do it all. Uh, in fact, you can't be a mission partner with us without a lay person who says, I'll be your champion. So it's really driven by you. It's not driven from the top down. It's driven by you. And so we integrate that into everything. We don't just say, well, this is when we do missions. We do missions, for instance, in Merge, our fifth and sixth grade ministry. Did you know that in the coming weeks, our Merge students, fifth and sixth graders, will be making gift baskets for all of our missionaries to have when they get here, they'll be in their room, uh, a welcome gift basket, all done by our Merge ministry. Our high school students recently just went out with one of our potential uh, partners and canvassed an apartment complex here in town trying to just let people know about this church that's in town. They, they, they're small church. They don't have enough people to do that. We went and did that with them. Our senior adults just returned from Western Heights in Knoxville, Tennessee. We do it in everything. You say, well, I play in the orchestra. I bet you don't do it in the orchestra. Wrong. We have an orchestration ministry called Global Missions Project that goes around the world and does these. We do it in every aspect of everything that we do. We want the calling and the, the strategy to be found in everything that we do. Next, we relate to our partners through all of those members, and then we finally give sacrificially. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and give you the warning. It's the obligatory warning. Over the next few weeks, you're going to hear the word giving thrown around a lot. It's going to be that way all the way through the end of September. And then you can just go ahead and put it on your calendar that in February or early March, we'll talk about giving again. When we talk about it now, we're talking about giving to global focus. 
We talk about it in February. We talk about stewardship as a church and what it means for us to tithe on the resources that God has given us. Here what we're talking about is you giving above the tithe to support our missionaries. So as we talk about this this morning, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Because if we understand what our calling is, then we have to find a way to get a strategy around that to make it make sense. And Jesus gives us that from Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Now, as we look at this today, I want you to notice two things particularly. I want you to notice a redirection that happens and then how the strategy gets outlined. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. I mentioned this great commission language. We always read Matthew 28, 18 through 20 as, as the great commission. But did you realize that all four of the gospels have great commission language in them at the very end? The one that's a little harder to kind of maybe see when you first just turn to it because it seems like just a personal interaction is the gospel of John because Jesus was dealing with a disciple who had kind of fallen away uh, because he had denied Jesus. That disciple's name was, say it with me, you guys are good. Paying attention to your Bible trivia class, Peter. Do you remember what Jesus said to him at the end of John? As he restores him, he says, I want you to go and feed the sheep. Tend the sheep. Do the work, right? I mean, it's, it's given to him right there. And I think that it's important that it was given to Peter because Peter feels like a nobody. He feels like a nothing, right? I mean, he, he's the one who ran his mouth. Everybody can deny you. I will never deny you. Won't happen, if you just want to make God laugh, tell him all the things you're not going to do, right? I mean, it's, it's just funny how that works in our lives. And then he does it, and he, you know he felt awful about it. And Jesus brings him back and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go about the business of feeding the sheep, tending the sheep, do the work. And so Acts 1.8 begins to lay out a strategy for us. And as we read this, we have to understand that the disciples must have had a thousand things rolling through their minds. What an emotional roller coaster they had been on. They had seen Jesus crucified. They had seen him buried. They had seen him raised from the dead, right? I mean, you remember that, that, that they had come to the empty tomb and he's not there. Then they'd been having a little secret meeting, scared of everybody, and they locked the doors and Jesus walks through the wall. If that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what does. All of a sudden, you're like, he really is alive. This is great. This is awesome. And then Jesus says, I'm going away. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you going? Well, I've got to go. And they asked Jesus this question. So is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom, the nation of Israel? Is this the time we're going to see it happen? And I want you to notice what Jesus did. Did you notice how he redirected them? They asked a good question. Do you know the Bible has an entire book at the end of it written that kind of speaks about the second coming and the, the, the establishment of God's reign here on earth? It's, it's not an unimportant question, is it? I mean, it's, it's important. But Jesus said, I understand what you're saying. That's a good question. I want to put you back in 
to focus right here. You've heard me talk about the Great Commission. Don't lose sight of it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you what you need to do. The redirection comes when he says, it's not for you. Did you notice that? They said, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? They want Roman occupation gone. They're ready for Jesus to get everything right. And he says, uh, it's not for you to know the times. That's not important right now. You know, it's a funny thing that we often need to be redirected in our lives. Because we might be asking good questions, we might be asking important questions, but they might not be the most important question for us. And I think in a day in which we're living where we might be asking questions about health and we might be asking questions about military issues that are going around the world, we might be asking questions about the economy, we might be asking questions about schools, we might be trying to figure that out. Those are very important things. It's not to diminish that at all. But sometimes Jesus needs to go, thank you, but I need you over here. Let's redirect over here and let's get focused together. If you're in leadership at your job, you know exactly what I'm talking about because anyone who's in leadership is constantly having to redirect people from good questions to the most important questions because the enemy of great is actually good things, right? I mean, it's the enemy of exceptional is good things. I was talking with one of my kids this week and we were talking about something kind of coming up in their lives and they were kind of nervous about it, you know, and like, oh, I don't know if we can do it. And I use this often to talk about how good you have to be to do something You know, there's only, what, 31, 32 NFL starting quarterbacks. That's a pretty hard job to do. But in this task we were talking about, there are literally millions, if not a billion people in the world who have done this thing. And I was like, so, I mean, you might not be able to throw a football and make a living, but you're going to be able to do this, right? It's going to work out. Because it's one thing to be exceptional. It's one thing to be great. It's one thing that everybody can kind of do it and do it well, and constantly have to redirect. Hey, we have this idea that we need to go over here. Yes, but corporate wants us to do this. I need to get you back on track. I'm, I'm in management role here. We need, to get, we need to get back on track. And it's as if Jesus says to us, great questions that you have, they are important. Don't lose sight of what's most important. Don't miss this. In 1985, America endured 79 days of one of the biggest crises that we have ever experienced in our lives. Do you remember what it was? It was so big, you've forgotten it. Coca-Cola changed the formula to Coke. Do you remember this? For 79 days, new Coke was out and the world lost its mind because it was awful. Why would Coke make a decision like that? Why did they do that? Do you know why they did that? Coke employed 200,000 taste testers in blind taste tests and said, which of these beverages do you prefer? It was Coca-Cola Classic and New Coke. And do you know that the overwhelming majority, they all picked New Coke. And then when it came out, everybody was like, we hate this stuff. It's not Coke. Because I guess New Coke compared to something you don't know is Coke is better. But if you're taking away my soft drink, it's a problem, right? They quickly had to pivot and get back to the main thing. They went back to their tried and true recipe, and that's when we got Coca-Cola Classic. Do you remember this? In the days before they made their decision, executives reported that they had averaged about 300 calls to their switchboard a day forever. Do you know what that number grew to? It was 8,000 a day disgruntled people 
Mary in Des Moines. I'm angry. I was at the A&W and we can't find any Coke. The Piggly Wiggly's out of Coke in Mississippi. What are we going to do? You know, I mean, people were losing their minds. And they had to pivot back to get back what's most important. It's okay to try things. It's okay for us to have fun here. It's okay for us to do lots of things, but we can't ever lose sight of what's most important. Even if everybody kind of in a blind test agrees, well, this this would be better. This would be great. This is what we do. It's the Great Commission. And it's amazing to me that Jesus gives us a strategy. Have you ever noticed that after Jesus gives this redirect, he gives this strategy, and there's so much about the Bible that I find fascinating. Can I tell you a couple things that I find fascinating? One is that I find fascinating the enormous amount of detail that's in the Bible on certain things. Have you read Leviticus lately? There's a lot of details. Don't eat this. If this happens, you must do this. If, if you find a spot on your arm, you have to leave the camp for this many days and then you have to come and share yourself with the priest and you have to wash, you have to do all this. I mean, it is specific in its nature. It's very, very detailed in its nature in so many of these things. But there are many things that the Lord gives us that are pretty wide open as long as we stay within the guardrails. He didn't tell us how to do missions, but he gave us a strategy to do missions. Look at verse eight again with me. I want you to see it. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, even to the end of the earth. Now, I want to remind you uh, of the world in which these folks were living in. They didn't have encyclopedias. They didn't have an atlas of the world. There wasn't probably a map of Jerusalem everyone carried in their pocket with all the little pocket-sized guide. They couldn't ask Siri for directions. And they were tasked with going into all the world. A group of people that most of them had never been outside of a distance they could walk in a day or two were told to go to the world. Well, how were they told to do it? It's pretty important. I want you to notice this. Jesus said to them, start with what you know, Jerusalem. Start right there. It's interesting to us that when we were going through the global focus process so many years ago, not my quote, and I don't remember if it was Larry or Doug, we'll just say Larry and Doug, uh, told us that the light that would shine the farthest away would shine the brightest at home. Right? That would have to make sense. You don't have a light shining dimly that shines farther out somewhere brighter than what it is at home. Where you start at home is the way that this works. And so as we look at this, this became a strategy for us to not just reach the world, but to reach the city. And so the way we started doing that was engaging partnerships in the city. In fact, some of our longest standing partnerships have existed in the city. And when we talk about that, we talk about right here in Nashville. Think about it like this. We have been partnering with Begin A New since almost the very first Global Focus uh, uh, GIC that we had. Begin A New used to be called the Christian Women's Job Corps. They had to change their name because men started showing up going, how do we get in on this? This is good. You guys are giving these ladies skills. My wife's been coming to this and she got her GED and y'all helped her learn how to interview and go get a job. And I I want some of that. And and so we started doing that. We've had many of you work with what was the Christian Women's Job Corps now begin anew all over our city in training and doing that, giving people practical skills with the gospel mixed in. We've worked with, with ministries like the Legacy Mission Village. When you think about Legacy Mission Village, 
right over here off of Nolensville Road, working with all the refugee families that moved to Nashville. And we continue to support them because we believe that as God brings people to us, we don't have to go all around the world. They're right here waiting on us. And so we, we want them to have the gospel. We think about churches that we have planted just in recent memory in our minds. Now, on Friday, the gathering at 840 signed documents for their loan to build their building. That's happening. It's in. You guys planted that church. We think about my local, a college ministry that morphed into a church that you guys planted here locally. Then we go out into a half day's drive regionally. Jesus told them, Jerusalem, Judea, start here, work your way out. So they go to Judea. We go to places like Smithville, Tennessee and Knoxville, Tennessee, a half day's drive. Smithville, Tennessee, the Lighthouse Christian Camp has been one of our strategic partners since the very beginning taking kids, taking, giving them a camp experience, giving them the word of God, seeing them saved, uh, walking with their families through the holidays and Christmas and doing a, a Christmas party for boys and girls. And many of you have served there and been part of that. It's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. We also partner with the Knoxville International Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. What a great opportunity for us to reach the nations that have moved to Knoxville with Philip and Betsy Barr planting that church. Then we do just what Jesus said. Then you go to Samaria, take another step out, right? Just a little bit further. We go to the nation. You know, it's, it's funny. How many of you remember the church at Blue Ridge that we started in South Carolina? I was talking with one of their founding pastors on Friday, uh, and, and this was interesting. He founded the church. If you remember, it was Ted and Robert founded the church, uh, two pastors, and then they brought on a third pastor and Ted said, I feel like you guys got it. I'm going to go be an Air Force chaplain right now. He told me, I was talking with Ted. He just told me the Church of the Blue Ridge just moved into their permanent home building. They just got, I mean, that's a church that you were with from inception and walked with them. We're in Anaheim, California. We're in Michigan. We're doing these things. That's stuff that you guys are doing. And so Jesus didn't say how we had to do it. He just said, here's a strategy. Start at home and start working your way out. Well, you guys will have an opportunity to be with international partners. We have partnerships in Latin America this year, South America. We're excited about these things, and we're praying that God willing, we'll be able to take a trip this year and, and be able to, to, to be face-to-face -face with our partners and hang out with them and, and get to serve alongside of them. We want to be able to do that. And so as we talk about these, we have a couple of kind of super partners too. They go even beyond that. Faith comes by hearing, recording the gospel in every tribe's language, every nation's language, so they may hear the gospel and know that Jesus loves them. The Timothy Initiative, they'll be here with us this year. David Nelms will be speaking to us. And so as we talk about these things, you understand that we've adopted this strategy, and I just wonder if we didn't need a little bit of a redirect this morning. Did you come in with a lot of questions? Did you come in with worries, family issues, things going on? And if I were to ask you this, like if, if we were to all stand up and I said, how many of you have thought about the Great Commission this weekend? How many of us would have to sit down? And if I said, but how many of you thought about it last week? Oh, I didn't think about it last week. I thought about it this weekend. How many would sit down? How many of you were thinking about it last month and you've been continually doing it? 
Would any of us be left standing or, or would we be coming to Jesus with all of our questions and all of our worries and all of our travails and all of our Twitter feeds and all of our social media accounts that are just bombarding us all the time and we would say, well, I meant to think about it. I meant to do that. And what we're asking you to do is to get redirected back to the thing that's most important. I'm gonna tell you why it's most important. Because something hasn't changed this year. And that's that while I've been preaching, somebody died. You think about that for a second. Somebody's eternity, their fate was sealed upon their death, and they either know Jesus or they don't. So of all the things that we have to do, and there's a lot of things. You've got things you've got to do this week. You've got to go to work. You've got to be part of a family. You've got to plan a vacation. You've got to get ready for some very important things, dealing with stressors in your life, dealing with all those things. This hasn't stopped. It's a redirect to what's most important. We're going to ask you to do three things through this season that takes you all the way through the end of September. We're going to ask you to give, engage, and go. When I ask you to give, I'm going to ask you to sacrificially give over and above your tithe to three different things. One, our global focus offering. You don't have to support an individual missionary. In fact, we don't allow it. We ask you to give to a specific fund called Global Focus. If you haven't received it already, I know it's been mailed, it's coming to you. You're gonna receive a book that has an offering envelope and some information attached to your house. It'll, it'll come to you. If you don't receive one, we'll have them in the lobby. Uh, in the coming days, you'll see them out there. But we're gonna have for you an offering envelope that, that will allow you to start giving to Global Focus. And if you give on our app or you give online or you give through offering envelopes, still, you can always give to the general fund of the church, that's tithes. You can give to Global Focus or you can give to the building fund. Those are the three things that we, we tell you to give to. So we ask you to give to this fund. Now those four people I mentioned, those lay persons, they will be together and they will meet and they will allocate those funds to our partners based on budget needs and what they feel like is that they do that work, okay? So we ask you to give to that. The second thing that I'm gonna ask you to give is that offering envelope that's mailed to your house is for the one-day offering. This is a special one-day offering this year, unlike any that we've had in the past, because when you give this year to the Timothy Initiative, on September 19th, we'll take a one-day offering for them. And you say, well, like, what, what does that look like? Well, I mean, in the past, we've taken up $75,000 in the day all the way up, to, I think, to $150,000 in a day. I mean, it, it all kind of depends. What God lays on our hearts, we give. And here's what's special about this year. Every dollar that you give, an anonymous donor has told the Timothy Initiative that every dollar they raise this year, they're going to match. So every dollar you give is doubled on that Sunday morning. It's crazy. It's literally pouring gasoline on a fire. I mean, it's going to be exciting to see what God does this year. So we ask you to give through the year to the Global Focus offering. We ask you to give to the one-day offering. And then when you leave here this morning, I'm going to ask you to give to our partners through our night of giving. And I'll say some more about that at the end of the service. So I'll hold off on that. So we ask you to give. And you say, I don't know about it. I don't like all this talk about money. I know, but we do it every year, twice. 
And I'm always gonna talk to you about money when it comes to our partners. I'm never afraid to raise money for missions because it's the most important thing that we do. That's more important than us having fun. That's more important than basketball or, or men's league or us having fellowships. or all, all. We do a lot of great things that are fun, but this is most important. Second thing I'm going to ask you to do is engage. And you're going to engage in a couple of ways. Specifically by, by praying through that 30-day prayer guide that we gave you. If you don't have one, stop by the lobby and get one today. Pray through that for our partners. You're going to get in the mail... A, uh, a color kind of booklet that has all of our partners in it, pictures in it of our level two partners. Level two is really the sweet spot that you see in Global Focus. So it'll have all the ministries listed. Pray for them, but those level two partners are the ones that are coming in to be for that. And guess what? All of those partners, by God's grace, and, and if the Lord allows, have planned to be here that weekend. So they're gonna be with us Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I'm asking you to engage them by knowing them. I want you to freak them out. When they walk in the door, I want you to say, Philip, good to see you. And he goes, I don't know you. Oh, well, I know you because I've been praying for you. I've been praying for Betsy. I've been praying for the boys. We're excited about what God's doing in your life. Can't wait to hear more about Knoxville International Church. I want you to know them, know them by name. You should be able to, to recognize them. The third thing I want you to do is not miss Friday night, the 17th, when you engage with your partners. Here's how that works. Have you ever seen a show on TV where people do like speed dating? Do you know what that is? You don't know what that is? Go home and Google that. You'll be absolutely mortified at the way that people date these days. I don't know how anybody ever gets married anymore. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it just feels, it feels so complicated to be able to do this. It used to be that you just asked somebody, hey, would you like to go out? And they said yes or no, and you just moved on one way or the other. Now we, we speed date, and we, we have apps and all this kind of stuff to help us do this. This is really similar to that without all the trappings of weirdness, okay? So when you come on that Friday night, the 17th, we're gonna set you in a room with a group of your friends, and you're gonna get to hear from, I don't know, between four and six missionaries. They're gonna buzz in, and they're gonna give you their best 15-minute presentation on why you need to be in partnership with them and come to their field of service, and they're gonna run out to the next class, and somebody else is gonna come in. So you're gonna get maximum opportunity to get to know them. It's very important that you're here and don't blow that off. Saturday, for all of our senior adults, we're going to have a luncheon for them so that they can have just extra time with the partners. Welcome to come on Friday night, but we've always done a senior adult luncheon. We're going to do that again this year. It's a free luncheon just for you to come and, and hang out and get to meet our partners. And then on Sunday, be here in the morning. Our partners will be in worship with us. They'll be in life groups with us. And then Sunday night is the night of giving. More about that in a minute. So we want you to engage with them then we want you to go. When I said go, immediately some of your hearts started beating harder because you started making excuses of why you can't go around the world right now. And aren't you glad you don't have to? Because we have local partners and we have regional partners and national partners and for the adventurous ends of the earth partnerships. You know what I'm struck by when I read the scripture is that the apostles ministry area kind of was confined to that uh, that, that area of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria for the most part, but some of them went outside of that. Paul went outside of that. Peter went outside of that. They were, they were going. They, Barnabas went outside of that. You say, like, I, I don't think I could go overseas this year. That's okay. We have a place for you to serve this year and be on mission. That's why you need to know these partners. That's why you need to spend time with them and get to know them. So I'm asking you 
today to take a moment and receive the redirect. Embrace the strategy and get excited about what God's going to do over this next month. I know that's going to happen for us, and I can't wait for it. It's my favorite season of the year. It's going to be great. I can't wait for us to share in this together. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you if you would to bow your head and close your eyes. And, you know, maybe you came in this morning uh, a little bit like I did. You had a lot on your brain and you just needed that redirect. That just struck me so hard this week that the Lord was saying, all this is important. Don't forget it. You need to do it. Yes. But don't lose sight of the most important thing, Jeff. Don't lose sight of that. If that's you this morning, would you just receive that from the Lord? Ask the Lord in your life to to bring that back to you. To see the most important thing as the most important thing. Father, we pray now with anticipation. We echo Jason's prayer for our church that we would have revival, that we would see people saved, that we would see people called into missions, ministry. Father, that we would be able to support our partners this year, that you would provide for their needs through this church. Lord, we thank you for them. We're so excited about this season, Lord. And we pray as we get ready for it that you would do a great work in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen.